0: The conversations on this podcast are between the host and the guest and are not directed at any member of the general public. The information is for your listening pleasure, but is not offering you any personal advice. If you have heard something that you feel may be relevant to yourself, please visit your medical practitioner or mental health provider. A quick introduction for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before. I'm Daniel and each week I bring you a conversation with someone who I think is inspirational or bring something inspiring to the podcast. It's about things that change or could change our lives and that's why I called it Life Changes You. Listen to the range of topics around psychology, mental health and inspiration and find out how life changes you. Hello and welcome to Life Changes You. I'm Daniel. And I hope you've had a good week, a good month. We've had some great guests on this month, or this season, I should say. Uh, we've had Tim from Big Brother. We've had The Mind Tradie, where we had a conversation together. We had Jana Lalik, who was the specialist in colts we had Rob Mack who is the happiness coach so lots of good people if you haven't listened to them yet go back and have a listen to those episodes because they're really good and really interesting and we also had an Olympian at the beginning and oh we've had so many different people this season but we've got one of our favorites back everybody always comments back to me Oh, I really liked how you and Isaac talked about all this stuff and you know you joke around a bit as well and it's really easy to understand so hello Isaac Lee how are you?
1: I'm well, and uh, I'm glad to be back. Thanks
0: for having me. It's good. It's always good to have you back. And, you know, for those who haven't tuned in before, Isaac's a psychologist here in the Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, and your business is Functional Minds. Yeah, Functional Mind Psychology. Functional Mind Psychology. All right. What are we talking about today, my friend?
1: I thought we'd have a, a bit of a chat about vulnerability. A couple of months back, I think you messaged me and asked me if I wanted to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about like my life kind of growing up and what inspired me to get into psychology. And uh, if you remember, I responded with, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be that vulnerable. Yeah. And then uh, we had a chat about what vulnerability was and how important being vulnerable is. Some of the aspects started floating into my head about what is it to be vulnerable and what are the pros, what are the cons? And so I thought we'd have a bit of a chat about vulnerability and then, yeah, see see where it takes us.
0: All right. Well, before we started, I just looked up what vulnerable was in the dictionary and it says exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. Now, is that what you take vulnerability as? I mean, I thought it was also about just being open and honest. and
1: Yeah, being open and honest, but I think that there's a component of risk in terms of the possibility of getting hurt.
0: Yeah.
1: Like when you ask somebody out on a date, you have to be vulnerable because there's a chance that they say no. Yeah. And that might hurt you emotionally, uh, might damage the ego a little bit. But there's also this really intense possibility for positivity, you know, if they say yes and, and you know, you live happily ever after.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> and now you've just used that as a as an example, you know, as you were saying it, I'm thinking, yeah, when I was younger, if someone said no, I was like heartbroken, not heartbroken, but, oh, my God, why don't they want to go out on a date? Now that I'm older, I don't even ask people they on dates. <laughs> yeah. Is that because I don't want to be vulnerable or is that because I'm just, past it
1: well i think that there's a certain amount of being past it sure but there's like <laughs> we learn from that you know like you ask somebody in the, the day they said no emotional hurt right pain yep. ask a different person out they might say no emotional pain and then what happens is you learn okay if i'm vulnerable in this way if i put myself out there the most likely outcome is that i'm going to be hurt yeah And so that's when you stop doing it. Yeah. So I think for some people, they stop doing these things because of the possibility or the probability of being hurt. And so we stop being vulnerable in those ways, which kind of shuts us off to the possibility of some really lovely things. Yeah. Uh, whilst also protecting us sometimes from some really unpleasant things. So it's it's not a black or white situation. It's not like, yeah, just be vulnerable all the time. Like, just keep getting hurt all the time. But it's also about kind of having a a reflection on what vulnerability means to you and whether the possibility of getting hurt again is worth the, the possibility of that uh, positive outcome.
0: So I guess for people who have had more major traumas in their life around different things, not necessarily just relationships. It would be a lot harder for them to be vulnerable, wouldn't it? because I guess they've got a lot more is it walls up against them to protect them? And mm-hmm. so to actually let them down, it must take a lot more. I know with um, Emma who was on the podcast earlier this month who grew up in a cult, She said, well, we've been planning her podcast for two years and it was about her wanting to feel safe when it goes out and she had to break down some barriers and adjust some things in her head to make sure that she felt confident that when it went out she was okay with people hearing her story. So I guess she was learning to become more vulnerable after what she'd been through.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard, Yeah. Like we can have lots of different things that we experience in our childhood that might just encourage us, you know, to, to shut down on some of those levels. I was thinking about in the, in the context of even just apologizing to somebody Mm. admitting fault, right. Admitting that you have done something that has hurt somebody else. Uh, It's, it's actually, there's a component that is quite difficult to do because you know, like when we're kids, right? If we do the wrong thing, if we're naughty, then we get told off, right? Yeah. We're provided a punishment, or so an unpleasant stimulus that discourages us from doing that. And I think that it means that it's actually quite hard, like for a lot of people in the adult life to just stop and acknowledge that they've done something that's hurt somebody else. So even just yeah. saying, I am sorry for this, uh, you know, taking responsibility for what you've done or said that has hurt the other person, we we can often just try to lessen that vulnerability by saying, I, I didn't mean it, or uh, you've misinterpreted it. You know, there's lots of different ways that we try to protect ourselves or make ourselves less vulnerable.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, often that doesn't actually help.
0: And I uh, think as you get older as well, it does become harder, doesn't it, because you've been through so many other different situations that then when you actually have to apologise, you're thinking, well, Did I really do this right? I guess we overanalyze some things as well rather than just saying, look, I'm sorry I was wrong or I'm sorry I didn't mean it the way it came out, you know. (laughs) And nine times out of ten, if you can be vulnerable and say those things, you're going to get a good outcome and it's going to diffuse whatever the situation was.
1: Yep, yep. It's uh, that act of being vulnerable, it's uh, something that I work a lot with with my couples, the couples that I work with. Yeah, and and actually in session being vulnerable and and telling somebody how you feel is yeah you know, it does just require you like what happens if they say that's stupid what if they laugh at me what if yeah. uh, they judge me in some way shape or form um, it's easier if I just don't be vulnerable uh, okay. yeah and I think that having some difficult conversations which. I think one of the most common that I have with my couples is talking about physical intimacy. So talking about sex, approaching sex in this way of like, uh, this is what I would like out of our relationship. Maybe there's something that's missing in some capacity because there's this fear of judgment, fear of what if they say, no, what if I get rejected? What if they think that I'm stupid? And so being vulnerable is a requirement to have that conversation. And without a conversation, you don't get hurt. Like, you get protected in that way. Yeah. But there's also, uh, you know, there's that, that thing that kind of like, what if it was better? What if this other thing could have happened? Or or just some frustration. And then that frustration can turn into resentment. And then that resentment can, you know, really have a negative impact on any relationship. So
0: It's also moving out of your comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah, because you can be comfortable and just stay the way you are and not be vulnerable, but if you're vulnerable and you come out of that comfort zone, yeah, you might get a few no's, you might get a lot of yeses, but until you try and challenge those ideas, you're always going to be in the same position and you're never going to know what the outcome could have been. Yep,
1: yep. Another one that comes up is I'll often see one person uh, and I'll be working one-on-one with them. And there's the possibility for the partner to come in in some way, shape or form. So maybe they'll let me know a little bit more about what's happening or to talk about something that is pertinent to the relationship or to talk about something related to their kid. And often it's really difficult for that partner to come in because they are worried. They feel vulnerable and they feel scared. They feel like they need to protect themselves from potential judgment. Yeah. Uh, Even though my job is to be non-judgmental. Yeah, and supportive but there's still an element of what does it mean to see a psychologist and there's a certain bit of like a certain amount of stigma attached to that and and a requirement to be vulnerable in order to sit down and speak to a professional
0: and that's what I was going to ask you because look I've only done a handful of counseling sessions maybe 10 when I first graduated as a counselor and then I changed business models but what I found was it's really hard those first one or two sessions to actually get under the skin and find out what the real issues are. You'd find that people coming to counselling would sort of talk about, say, two or three things that you're thinking, these aren't the real things you're here for, but you have to go along with it and try and get them to open up and be vulnerable and talk about the real things. Uh, I had a friend who 10 years ago said that he thought he had a sexual issue and he went to see a psychologist and had his 10 sessions and at the end said, well, look, I really didn't discuss them because she was it was a female. And I said, well, you could have asked if there was a male. And he said, oh, well, once I started, I felt like I had to do those 10 sessions. But he never actually got out what he went there for because he didn't want to discuss his sexual problems in front of a female. Yep. So, how long do you think it takes people to actually become more open and vulnerable? It's it's not usually the first session, is it? You might get some, I guess, that come in and just go, "This is what's happening."
1: Yeah, some people certainly. There's there's often a thing that that happens, which is the real issue comes out in the last five minutes. Yeah, where they're like, "There's five minutes left on the clock." and the client knows that or it might be going to, to Bill's and, oh yeah well, one other thing uh <laughs> I, I wanted to you know just uh, mention about my relationship with my mum uh which is really bad and uh, uh cool but we don't have time to go through it so maybe another time <laughs> yeah I was uh joking with a uh, uh, another psych friend of mine where we were talking about how maybe we should just change from an hour model to a five minute model <laughs> just five minute session so just jump straight to that last five minutes and uh, the client could get out what The real reason is that they're coming for.
0: Well, I guess with that though, is they're almost setting it up for their next session, aren't they? Wow. I'm so glad I got that out there. So now when I go back for my second session, it's already been talked about and we can start working on it. Because I know most people that, well, the few that I've seen, yeah, it's that first session. And at the end, you're thinking, we just treaded water through that whole hour. And then the next one, it's probably a little bit more open. And then the third one, that's when they go, "Well, really, this is what I wanted to tell you about." And you go, "Okay, great, let's work on that."
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a good question to ask as the psych. Is there anything that we talked about today that you want to talk about more, or is there anything that we missed today that we maybe want to put on the agenda for next session? And sometimes, like often, something will come up uh, that we can put on the agenda for next session. Yeah, there's a there's a measure called the outcome rating scale, which a way to kind of give feedback to your psychologist so you can give that to your client at the end and say uh it's got like a couple of different questions on there one is did you feel listened to or heard in this session so you can pick up if there was something that was missed yeah and then one is did we miss something today like was there something that we did we talk about all the things that you wanted to talk about was there something missing and that could be a a a bit of an extra step pro and con on that but one of them is, is an informal aspect if you don't have to announce something but you can. Put something down on a piece of paper that says yeah there is actually something that we
0: didn't talk about today and
1: sometimes that can be a really helpful tool to then put the the thing on the agenda that we missed in the session
0: yeah so vulnerability so then you were going to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you came into psychology and why you decided to do psychology and how vulnerable you became
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jump straight into it. It's, it's interesting. Like, Even as you ask me that question, right, because I'm, I'm kind of like putting my professional hat off. Like I'm taking the, the professional hat on and putting the, my like personal hat on, which requires a bit of vulnerability. There's also some professional obligations in terms of, you know, me not wanting to divulge too much information about myself because yes. really the work that I do is all about my client, not about me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like my heart even just skips a beat as you ask that question. But oh, look,
0: Isaac, let's look at it that you're just in a session with me talking about your vulnerability yeah, and guess. no one else is listening. <laughs> no one else,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I think that there's a couple of things that inspire me to get into psychology and it's, it's a bit weird the way that I originally got into psych. So uh, my mum has bipolar. Yep. Uh, so she was diagnosed when I was about 10 years old. And she went from doing everything she did, uh, well, the cooking, the cleaning. She worked in the family business. She took us to swimming lessons, piano lessons. She used to basically, she'd only sleep about four hours a day, I reckon. Right. And then when I was 10, she had a breakdown and she went from doing all the things and, and sleeping about four hours a day to probably sleeping about 20 hours a day. Wow. So she was awake for about two hours of the day. Yeah, like we used to like get home from school and she'd like wake up and say, oh, yeah, I'm glad you're home. Uh, let's uh, clean up the kitchen a little bit. And then she would stand up and then she'd just say, oh, I'm just going to sit down for a second. And then she'd immediately fall back asleep. Wow. So there was a lot of like big change as a 10-year-old. Yeah. From having a mum that that does all the things to having a mum that's just asleep all the time. Yeah. Uh. So you might think of that's well, I think that certainly certainly plays a big inspiration in in terms of me wanting to know more about psychology. Uh, but then there's an extra factor in there, which is that my dad at the time actually didn't believe that my mum was sick.
0: Right. Uh
1: and this is where it gets a bit weird, is my dad actually told all of us that mum's not sick, that she's faking it, and that she's just being lazy. Yep. That was that was his kind of wine that he took, and me as a ten year old, I just I believed my dad. Yeah, and so originally when I when I got into psychology, it was about proving that my mum wasn't sick. Right, so I wanted to learn more about psychology and people so that I could prove that my mum was actually just faking it, as well as like you know like a genuine desire to help people as well. But there was kind of like this this internal conflict yeah about like wanting to learn more because i wanted to believe my dad the more that i learned about psychology uh actually there's there's a pretty good session in my year 10 psychology class so i would have been like 15 16 at this time i asked my my psychology teacher when we were learning about hypochondria yep so you can actually manifest the symptoms of a physical ailment when you have full-blown hypochondria to the point where you believe that, that you have that that disease yeah. and then it actually manifests when you feel like you can't move your leg or you can't move your arm. And so I asked my psych teacher, I was like, oh, what's the deal with like, if you had hypochondria, uh, but it was like a mental illness. So you believe that you, for instance, had bipolar yeah. uh, and, and then you started manifesting the symptoms because of that belief. And uh, my psych teacher knew enough about my family situation that she just looked at me and she said, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Like, (laughs) very correctly uh, uh, chose not to answer that question, which was a good call by her. So, yeah, I, 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 that was kind of like one of the, the first inspirations for me to get into psychology. The more I learned about psychology, the more I learned about what was going on with my mum, the more I learned a little bit more about life as well. I realized that 100% my mum had bipolar. Yeah. So she was just very unwell. And my dad just didn't want to believe that for a number of different reasons and didn't feel comfortable, I guess, uh, acknowledging that.
0: Do you think that was also, though, because, say, 20 years ago, there was such a stigma around mental illness and also there was a limited understanding, I guess, of what bipolar was? I mean, bipolar, I guess, in the 70s was people painting for days and then falling asleep for weeks. You know, I'm saying like artists and that some of the well-known artists that we know about who had it was called manic depression then, wasn't it?
1: It was, it was. Yeah,
0: you know, they'd paint for weeks and weeks and then all of a sudden they'd be asleep for a month because they'd got everything out and then crashed.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that there was a lot of misunderstanding and I think we're in a much better place society-wise to understand more about mental health. But I also just think that it was difficult for my dad to acknowledge.
0: Yeah, Um, and accept.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it was easier for him in a lot of ways and there was, you know, some external pressures as well. All right. And probably a bunch of stuff that I don't know about that he hasn't yep. told me. Yeah. But, yeah, like all of those things kind of combined to, yeah, being in a bit of a an, a weird position. But then, yeah, when I was probably about 16, 17, so a little bit after that psych class, uh, I started to realise a little bit more about what was going on with my mum and became a lot closer with her and also just worked out that I really, like I'm really fascinated by the mind, but also I just have this desire to help people. And that was something that was just, it, it went from being something that I was interested in to something that I'm incredibly passionate about.
0: Yeah.
1: And a big focus on what I want to do with my life. Like feeling like I can educate people. I can sit down with people and engage in some talk therapy and actually have some really good outcomes where people feel a lot better.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I think a lot of that is like, I wish that, I wish that I had somebody to sit down and talk to when I was 15, 16. Yeah. Uh, who could have explained to me a little bit more about what was going on with my mom, uh, a little bit more about what was going on with me and encouraged me, I guess, to be vulnerable in ways that I didn't feel comfortable doing when I was that age. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, all those things combined just mean that, yeah, I'm super passionate about what I do
0: and and I love my job. And, look, I mean, you just said about you wanted to learn more about the mind and how it works. And from my point of view doing this podcast, I mean, talking to people like you and the other guests that have been on and doing Instagram Lives where I talk to a variety of different people, psychologists, counsellors, you name it, I've spoken to those people. I am fascinated by what I learn from each podcast I do, from each live I do. I always come away thinking, oh, I actually hadn't thought of it that way. Or, you know, that's really amazing what they just spoke about. And, you know, and people have said to me, you know, do you learn anything from it? And I said, I'm learning all the time. Every time I get off a podcast, for the next hour or two, I'm buzzing because I'm thinking about all the things we've just discussed and how I can integrate some of them into my life. If there's people I know that are having an issue and that relates to them, how I can help them. But, you know, it's about, I guess, giving back to the community ideas and education that they can listen to and go with and go, actually, Isaac was talking about his mum maybe having bipolar. I think my son or my daughter, you know, I've said this before, people who listen, they, they pass on the information. And if it helps one person, it's worth us sitting here and having these discussions. Because another thing, I don't think a lot of men are very vulnerable, because you've still always been told to harden up, toughen up, don't cry, and showing vulnerability. I mean, I'm talking to you now about vulnerability. I've had one other guest on the podcast talking about it and also someone who was on a live on Instagram the other week saying that they're very vulnerable and they cry and, you know, I'm not macho and I'm like, wow, this is really good. I'm starting to meet all these people who are more vulnerable and open to talk about their their lives and and what what makes them vulnerable. Yeah,
1: I think that that was what kind of tipped me over the line to talk about my own experiences today is that I want to encourage people to be able to go, you know what, actually I can be vulnerable, that there's some potential really positive outcomes from that. You know, me right now telling people a little bit about my story and what inspired me to get into psychology, I hope that there are people out there that listen to that and go, oh, okay, like maybe I can go and sit down and speak to a psychologist or... Yes maybe I can take my son to a psychologist and talk about these things and hopefully just help people feel a little bit more comfortable in being vulnerable themselves.
0: When I first started the podcast, I think I've said to you before, I decided I wasn't going to talk about anything personally about myself. But then as I went on and on into different episodes, then I started sharing about my fibromyalgia. I get emails from guys going, oh, I'm a guy. I've got fibromyalgia. I didn't know guys had fibromyalgia. You talk so openly about it, about my marriage breakdown and why it didn't work. People are like, oh, I had the similar experience, you know. So when you're vulnerable and you open up and you talk about these things, you find that more people connect with you because you're not just sitting here, Like I was in the first probably 10, 20 episodes just talking to the guests, I was actually putting myself out there as well for people to relate to and be able to go, actually, what Dan just said then about fibro, that's exactly what I get. I need to go and see someone all. It's about opening up and not holding things back. Sure, there's still things in me that I don't share on my podcast, but there's more that I do share than what I hold back.
1: Mm, That's great. That's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else on vulnerability we need to discuss?
1: Look, I think that we've touched on some really important points and uh, I think we've given some examples of that and I think that hopefully people can be more vulnerable as a result of us having a chat about it today.
0: Well, look, I appreciate that you opening up and talking about your mum because just doing that as well will make kids who have parents with some mental health issues more open to thinking about it, talking about it and removing the stigma because there still is some stigma out there around having parents with a mental health issue having kids with a mental health issue people go oh you know I don't really want so-and-so to know and by you talking it opens it up for people to then go actually this is something I can talk about I can be vulnerable and it's not something I need to hide away
1: yeah totally totally
0: brilliant Isaac thank you once again for coming on to season four I hope we see you in season five that's good All right. Thank you, Isaac. Have a good day. You too. See ya. Bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you and I'll always respond to you. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other.